So my parents actually do not know that I'm getting surgery or that I've had surgery. I think they think I'm in Venice. The bruising's come out here, which is to be expected from, well, everything that I've had done. And I still look a bit like Buzz Lightyear, as a lot of you have commented. I was always bullied for having a flat chest, so I told my mum, as soon as I turn 18, I'm gonna get a breast augmentation. You've probably seen videos like this before. The search for Turkey surgery has millions of views, and more than 1.2 million foreigners visited Turkey for medical procedures in 2022. And most of those were cosmetic. You might have also seen recently that some clinics in Turkey have been banned from posting ads on Facebook. Because the ASA, that's the Advertising Standards Authority, have said they're downplaying procedures and misleading potential customers. One clinic, which calls itself one of the most established healthcare organisations in Istanbul, actually had an advert which said, don't let your nose overshadow your face. Get the look you dream of with nose job treatment. Choose to be the greater beauty that you can be. Another clinic posted promises of being seen by one of the most successful doctors in the world and VIP transfer five-star package holidays. It's all a bit mad and it's very, very casual. And it's not just Facebook ads. These clinics are also trying to sell you surgery over WhatsApp and in your DMs. It feels like if you're thinking about going overseas for surgery, which could completely change your look and your life, it can be a bit of a wild west out there. Let's figure this out. I'm Mary Manderfield. I'm a journalist at The News Movement. And every week, right here on the podcast, I will deep dive into a story that we just need to know more answers to. I'll be speaking to experts, other journalists from The News Movement, and most importantly, I want to hear your stories as well. This is what Noted, the podcast, is all about. And I'm so happy that you are here for our first ever episode, because I'll be looking into the world of medical tourism and why you can book yourself a BBL just as easily as you would make plans with your mates. To get started, I need to speak to someone who's been there, done that, and got the filler. This is Laura. She's had six surgeries in Turkey. Every single surgery I've had has been through WhatsApp. It's like, you just message them, hi, like, I'm inquiring about, like, a nose job. And then they'll just say, oh, like, just send a picture like this, 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 and then... They get back to you within like a day with like a price and then it's it's so funny because um you know you can like there's so much bargaining that people don't know about because they'll say some clinics out there like charge insane like prices so they'll say like oh and drop is like six thousand euros which it really shouldn't be it should be around three thousand four thousand at, at most and then you'll say, mm, I don't know, that's a bit expensive. And they're like, okay, we'll do it for five. And then you're like, no, no, no. And they're like, okay, four. <laughs> like you could literally get it down so cheap. Yeah, it's just like a haggling thing, which is so weird. Like it's, it's insane. What shocked me about Laura's story is the fact that people are literally chatting over WhatsApp to convince you to book in. And look, this isn't the same as bartering over getting that perfect vintage jacket. This is about spending thousands of pounds and putting your health in someone else's hands. Another journalist from the news movement and my friend Neha Gohil was shocked by it too. So much so that she travelled out there. But surgery wasn't on her list of things to do. She was there to investigate. 
Neha, welcome to Noted. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here and make my WhatsApps were popping off during that time I was messaging this clinic. Did you feel really popular? Yeah, man. Like, seriously, the messages, they still don't stop. Oh my gosh. I know, it's crazy. Block, block, block. <laughs> so why Turkey in particular? Why has it become so like synonymous with getting cosmetic surgery? The costs are so much cheaper. When I messaged a few clinics myself pretending that I wanted to have a BBL, the package, BBL package with hotel stay, some of them offering like costs as low as £3,000, which you compare to like UK prices or US prices or something, it's just so much more cheaper. Mm. And I think it's quite easy as well. Like you can get quite a cheap flight, visa-free travel. And also it's the way they advertise it. So they definitely make it seem like you're going for a holiday. So you get to stay in a luxury hotel, you get transfers from here, there and everywhere. You can get your surgery, but you can also go there for some tourist stuff as well. So that's quite mad. When you talk about BBL, this is like such a huge and like invasive procedure. And it is mad that it's like, come on holiday and whilst you're here, just get this little like procedure. Don't worry about it. It's all good. You'll go back yeah. to your swimming pool afterwards. So you set yourself up as a potential patient for cosmetic surgery. How did you go about it? What were the steps that you took? So it's actually after I spoke to Laura, when I messaged Laura over TikTok and then wanted to speak to her about her own experiences, when she was explaining to me what processes she went through, I was like, okay, this is very mad. Because she said that she DM'd someone on Instagram and I was like, how is anyone like booking such big surgery Mm. through Instagram? So I thought, okay, let me find out a bit more and see how they would respond to me if I was asking for a BBL and a nose job. So I literally Googled clinics that were offering that in Turkey and saw some of the most popular ones and thought, okay, let me message them and see what they say. And it's so crazy how quickly you get a response back how many messages you get sent. I think anyone who's ever inquired will know that that's the reality, that you just get bombarded with messages constantly with people asking questions about quite like important medical questions, first of all, but then also discounts and book now for your summer body or 25% off. And it's like something you see on ASOS, not Mm. like a BBL or a nose job treatment kind of thing. So that was really crazy. So had you filled out any medical forms before the conversation started on WhatsApp? They send you basically a list of like 15 to 20 questions about your health and like your medical history, basically. And they say, what's your name? What's your age? Have you had any prior health problems? Anything that you should be made aware of? They ask things like, have you had HIV? Your weight, your height, those kinds of things. It's very normalised because it seems like loads of clinics do that. But when you deep it and you think, how am I giving all of this medical information to a clinic that haven't even spoken to anyone like over the phone or seen someone speaking to me, but they're sending this list of questions. That's their way of kind of getting to know your medical history. And they're almost like incentivizing you to get multiple treatments at once. So for most of the clinics, almost all of our conversations were happening over WhatsApp They send those list of questions, you get back to them. You also have to send them pictures of the area that you want to get the surgery on. So obviously your body or your face or whatever. Do you send them a picture of you like in your pants? Literally, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just responded and sometimes they would say, yeah, we think that this treatment would work really well for you. Sometimes they'd want some more angles or just to figure out a bit more whether it's suitable for your body or not. 
And then very soon after that, you get the discounts, you get the bombarding messages. They were offering me a BBL package with a deposit of just £50. And BBL is like massive and also very dangerous surgery. It's one of the cosmetic treatments that has the highest death rate. So the fact that you can book that with a deposit of £50 is so crazy. So we have a lot of people going to Turkey, getting their surgeries done. But what is the like influence or what is the rise in the popularity? Like why now does it feel like more people were getting their nose done, their boobs done, their BBLs, their teeth, their hair? Like the list is endless. You really can yeah. tweak any part of your body. I think social media has played such a huge role, not only in the people that we see, but also the fact that us as a generation are just more aware of what we look like all the time and are made to kind of feel insecure if we don't fit a certain look or trend or whatever. So I think that's one thing. But then also definitely the celebs, the influencers and things who, like a few of them have opened up about their surgeries. Kylie Jenner's recently admitted she's had a boob job or Ariana Grande spoke about having Botox and fillers and stuff. But I think seeing people in the public eye with so many followers who constantly are praised and also berated for the way they look and seeing them have surgery makes it just so much more normalised. The thing with these celebrities, right, is that it is almost like the trend now to admit that you've had something done, not that it's a crime, but also say you regret it and then it makes you look quite like wholesome and great. But it's like you only then tell people you've had it after you've almost profited off it. Mm -hmm. So once you've had like the modelling deals or the clothing brands or whatever, or like Ariana Grande, like has huge success. And then later on in the lines, like, oh, I regret having it. It's like, why didn't you tell people at the time how you were feeling? Because that could have influenced a young person before they got on the flight to mm -hmm. go to Turkey. In comparison to the UK, do any clinics kind of work in that same way here? So in the UK, cosmetic clinics are not allowed to pressurise people, sell things to them, like, you know, offer discounts and those kinds of things. It's just against the rules um, and against advertising standards as well. I spoke to the British Association of Plastic Reconstructive and Aesthetic Surgeons and basically showed them the messages I was getting. The spokesperson for that, Dr. Paul Harris, was really shocked at what I was showing him. He said he didn't really realise it was that bad. It's not like they're selling you clothes or like a haircut or something like that. It's like really important, life-changing surgery. Some people are kind of being pressured into having these combination surgeries. And I could see even in the messages that I was sending to the clinics that there did seem to be this push of, you know, if you book multiple surgeries, you get a thousand pound discount or something. And people do think in that way that oh, if I'm going all the way there and if I'm going to be put under anaesthetic, then I might as well just have as many surgeries as I can to make myself look a certain way but I think what I definitely learned from the surgeons in the UK is that it's not safe for certain types of surgeries to be done together but you can see that there is some pressure there on well if you're here you might as well book this and book that. Since 2019, 24 British nationals have died after medical tourism trips to Turkey. That's according to the UK's government's Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Office. How does that number feel when you're actually out there talking to people who are about to get surgery? Yeah, it's quite a scary statistic. Um, and I think the thing that I noticed, because I learned a lot during this process of looking into this whole 
world is that there's a lot more things to consider than you might initially think from the start and it sounds really easy when you see the ads and see how easy it is to book and go there but actually are people doing their research are they checking that the surgeon is certified are they looking into what their recovery will be like about how they will actually fly back to wherever they've come from in a safe way so there's so many things to consider and I think it's definitely clear that the government are aware of you know the dangers of going abroad to somewhere like Turkey for surgery and also the fact that the NHS now is paying more and more in terms of doing reconstructive surgery to people who have come back from there so so it's costed the health service in the UK about 1.7 million pounds in 2022 to just like follow up treatment for people that maybe had surgery and then there's been complications Mm -hmm. and that's the thing is like you're then not in Turkey to go and see your surgeon and say mate why is this infected or why hasn't this worked yeah you can't really go back to see that surgeon in the same way there are some clinics that have bases now and offices in the UK where that's possible but it's not possible for all of them and yeah that statistic is really worrying so you went on the trip you met a lot of people that were having all different types of procedures you came back What's the response been and how are you feeling about like what next steps have to happen or what do you think should happen? From the experts and the surgeons that I've spoken to, what they definitely want people to be doing is to be more informed and to do their research before they ever commit to having surgery abroad. So that's something that they're really keen on getting across, especially to like people in our age group who might be on TikTok and Instagram and seeing how easy it is and how, you know, these influencers flying out to Turkey and getting in the nice vehicle and fancy hotel and thinking it's so cool, making it clear to people that they have to do that research and what your favourite influencer's experience might have been, may not and probably will not be the same as a normal person going there for treatment. So, They really want people to be aware of that. And I think also the Turkish government are aware of that and want to make sure that people who are coming to their country can do so safely. So they have a patient call centre, their health tourism department has a international patient call centre where people can call and ask questions and, and also email them. And it's available both in English and Turkish so that people can ask the questions that they want the answers to if they're considering surgery abroad. definitely heard a fair bit about getting surgery in Turkey before but I didn't realise the lines of communication and that it was so easy for Neha to pose as a potential patient and she's still getting hounded by these messages today but look catch me on a bad day and I'll just say yeah book my flights and you'll see me in Turkey and that's okay if you want to get surgery then go for it but talking to Neha is a reminder that there are definitely risks attached to this. Not everybody gets the results that they wanted or even that perfect smile. Jack's 23 and recently visited Turkey for dental treatment, but it didn't go so well. One night I was just scrolling through Facebook and there was an advert on there, free flight tickets plus airport transfer for like such and such price. But my eyes lit up, I was like, wow, yeah, time's come now. <laughs> So I obviously, I did no research at all. I just thought people will get the teeth done, it's gonna be all right, the dentist. I just hit that button, WhatsApp came up, and it just asked for like a bit of general information of where you're from, how old you are, what sort of thing you want done really. 10 minutes later, I got a reply. Take pictures of your teeth, 
tell us what you want. I'll come back in half an hour. And at the time, because I was like so excited and I was like, yes, I'm having this done, that 30 minutes didn't mean nothing. Do you know what I mean? But now I sit here and I think, how can someone do that? Like make a full treatment plan over a phone that's never seen or heard your voice or your medical history and bang it further. So after you came back from Turkey for the first time, can you actually just tell me a little bit about what was happening, what you noticed was kind of like going on in your mouth and with your teeth? So obviously I'd gone home and they looked absolutely amazing. I thought, yeah, I've got it. I've got the, I've got the package, you know? And I think it's about the second day in the UK, I was uh, thought, right, I'm going to try and floss my teeth. Uh, so in the morning, brushing them, and then I got the floss out and I'm like, Nothing's going through each tooth. I didn't think anything was wrong. You know, he's a dentist, he knows what he's doing. He probably thought that was best for me. Off you go. So about nine months later, my gums really started to hurt. And I'm thinking, this ain't right. I've kept the same routine, the same toothbrush, the same toothpaste. And then they started to bleed. And I'm thinking, I've not changed anything. Like, I don't know what's going wrong. Um, so I just left it, I left it, just brushed my teeth, make sure I was doing it like a bit more than I was. And then within like a month, I was pussing, I had bad breath. I started to get pockets, holes in my gums. My gum tissue was eroding and obviously, no matter how much I brushed my teeth, within 10 minutes, this pus would start coming out again. So I had no choice, I was literally trying to bring around every single dentist because they have that named Turkey Teeth. No one would see me. It's like they wouldn't touch you with a barge pole because it's got a reputation of getting your teeth done in Turkey. There's going to be complications. Yeah. And just that little like bit of rejection, knowing that you're in such a mess and you generally need help and no one's going to help you. It makes you feel like you're so isolated alone. You're like, what am I going to do? Did you know what the actual process would be? Like, how aware were you of what was actually going to happen to your teeth? Or were you just focusing on what the end result would look like? So when, obviously, I scored and seen the advert on Facebook, obviously, I quickly scanned through their website. And they had a couple of different treatment options. So I just said laminate veneers. I wanted minimal shaving. I knew and heard that there was risks of a full-blown shave. And obviously, when... The second time round, I'd actually seen my teeth with all my crowns off. There was nothing left. What had they done to your teeth? So obviously the first time they'd shaved them, I'm sat back in the chair, you can't see what's going on. They're all talking Turkish. There's no mirrors, you're not allowed to like see the procedure or you're not getting shown the process when they're doing it. So once they'd stuck my teeth in on the last day, I did not know what was underneath, and your mouth's fully numb, you can't feel anything even with your tongue. I had to take the crowns off to redo them, and I asked to look, and when I looked, they'd not only been shaved once, but twice. So you thought you were gonna go along to Turkey, get veneers kind of put onto your natural teeth with only a little bit shaved down. You had to go back to Turkey for a second time because there was complications, because there was infections, there was problems. And it was during the second visit, you asked to see your own natural teeth and they'd been shaved down to like minimal 
almost like stubs. You said they look like shark teeth. Yeah, 100%. And the only reason I asked to see my natural teeth was because that file came out again. And I was sat there and I was thinking, they've been shaved already. Like, why do you need to do it again? And what was the reason for them filing them and shaving them down so much? Was that is that just an easier way for them to give people that kind of final finished look that people are after? Yeah, it's more of a faster process for them. It's get you in, get you on, get you out, get you cash. And how much did that first procedure cost you in Turkey? So I think the first was about four thousand. you get given a quote over whatsapp as soon as you get there that price goes up and up and up because once you're there you're stuck there you're gonna have to pay so obviously the second time i required a hell of a lot more work due to obviously it going wrong that comes to about five six thousand and do you know what the same work would have cost you in the uk yeah so if i was to have the same procedure that i had done the first time um in the uk it probably cost about eighteen thousand pounds Jack, you seem like such a like kind-hearted, lovely person. How is your head? How how has it made you feel? I mean, every day I wake up with the pain. I have to take paracetamol throughout the day sometimes, the night time. I will never eat or drink the same again. I mean, if I go out for a meal with friends, family, they're all eating the food that I'm having to wait for it to cool down. I can only eat my food at a certain temperature. My teeth affect my life and obviously, I had them done again and I'm now in a worse off situation than I was to start with. I've lost three teeth, I'm losing more teeth, uh, I contracted gum disease, that's irreversible. I'm constantly always self-conscious, like my breath smells, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. And it's living with that self-guilt and regret that I've done this to myself. To now have it all redone again, I've got a dental report of 13,000. Now I had 10,000 saved from my childhood and from my future. That 10 grand's gone. I could have put the deposit for a house down, but instead I've lost all my teeth. It goes without saying that Jack's story is really tough to listen to. I hope that things start looking up for him. But right now, I think we should hear from a medical professional, someone who's seen firsthand the damage that these risky surgeries can do. We'll be joined by Dr. Emeka. He's a medical doctor who you've probably seen sharing health tips on TikTok. That's after this. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. I'm joined by Dr. Mecca. Welcome to Noted. Hi. Thank you, Mary. We have just had a conversation with 23 year old Jack who mm. went to get his teeth done, mm. wanted that kind of Geordie Shaw. Bright, bright white smile. smile asked yeah. for minimal shaving on his teeth oh, okay, and yeah. it wasn't until he actually had to go back to Turkey for a follow-up because of an infection that he realised they'd shaved his teeth right down oh. to little stubs. Yeah, uh, It's cost him thousands of pounds mm-hmm. and he says he's basically got like life-changing yeah, implications yeah. because of it. Um, and you could tell as well it's really affected his mental mm. health. Mm. Especially as a young person. 100%.
I just want to talk to you. Like, you're a practicing doctor. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So I'm, I am. I'm a medical doctor working mainly in emergency medicine in London and the Southeast. And I'm also author of the book, Your Health in Your Hands, that kind of lets people know a lot more about their health and have a lot more autonomy and decisions with their health to stop them from ending up in the A&E CME or seeing their GP. Why do you think we're seeing more people jumping on a plane and going to somewhere like Turkey and having these actually like huge surgeries? When you look at social media and what it gives young people, it gives you that dopamine hit of rush of likes, being accepted, being validated. And this is what young people crave. This is something that's obviously going to encourage people if there's an access and a pathway to change how you look, you're going to do it. Because it's easier than going to the gym, say, to change your body, because you're going to see these results over time. However, a surgical procedure, you're going to see the results over a day, weeks. You do say that, like, there are obviously some parts of our bodies we can change with yes. diet and exercise. Yes, correct. But some of the procedures I'm seeing now is like buckle fat removal, which it's like in your cheeks. And for some mm. people, no matter how much I diet, the fat isn't going to come from my cheeks and, mm -hmm. and, and disappear or even underneath the chin or obviously like a nose job. I can't go to the gym and exercise my nose away. Yeah. So there's like a lot of kind of things that add up to it. Some surgeons are using WhatsApp or social media DMs to actually get patient notes. I'm guessing this yeah. isn't something that happens in the UK. No, 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 no. It cannot happen in the UK. And why? Honestly, it's quite alarming but it's the norm because think about it if you're a doctor whether you're regulated or not and you're in a different country and you want to contact people one internationally whatsapp's easier to contact anyway as in if you're like it generally should be email or you know via the phone via a secretary you know something a bit more formal where you can actually document what's been said by the doctor what's been relayed to the patient etc etc because all this stuff needs to be noted because before a patient should go under any procedure they should be able to give informed consent now informed consent means everything's been explained to you the benefits the risks how it's going to happen exactly what's going to happen what the recovery time should be etc and then you get to make your decision on whether or not you want to go through with that procedure so you need all the information yes. in front of you and then you can make an informed decision Precisely. rather than being told, this is a great deal, book it now mm -hmm. for a discount Yeah, and come on, book those flights, let's go. It's exactly. And I think it's been advertised as something like that. But you, you have to consider, we go through all of these checks for safety measures. And when these checks aren't taken, that's when you end up with stories such as the ones you've probably heard today when the safety measures and the risks weren't really explained to the patients. The same way, these are clients. They see them as clients because they see that, you know, it's non-emergency procedures. However, they're still patients because they're undergoing a medical procedure by a trained surgeon, physician, etc. And every patient should have what you have autonomy, make their own decision under informed consent. And I don't think that's happening right now. Now, you have treated patients who have come to A&E in the UK mm -hmm. with a kind of like knock-on effect after having surgery yeah. in places like Turkey. Can you tell me like some of the things you've seen? I saw a patient who'd had like tummy tuck surgery. So she'd had like fat disposition surgery where they'd put the drainage tubes in for the swelling post-surgery. They'd become severely infected. So she had a severe infection. She was going into what we call like sepsis 
where you have an overall body infection which mm. enters the blood and this this could be a medical emergency fortunately for her she was able to get to a in time we were able to treat her with IV antibiotics and monitor etc etc but I'm not sure if that was explained to her that that was a consequence because she seemed completely bewildered and dumbfounded that that can happen obviously sepsis is something that can come from any surgical procedure you could put a knife or a tube in someone you know you open a gateway to all sorts of bacteria which can cause an infection but we normally treat with what we call prophylactic antibiotics so sometimes you'd be given antibiotics regardless of what surgery you have just because we know there's a chance of infection some of these people aren't and then when i hear that they're not i'm shocked because just general medical practice this should be a almost standard. just like a preventative yeah. like just take the antibiotics of because it's the you've same had way a risky surgery if you've had a big lower limb surgery like a big hip replacement or something we often send people back with blood thinning medication or you know schedule them for blood thinning injections because they're at higher risk of a potential clot in the lower limb which could obviously travel up so these are things that we know in basic medicine here but not to say that these surgeons and doctors don't know them in turkey but some of them aren't practicing that from what these patients are telling us look we know that it happens mm-hmm. people there's a market out there there's a yeah. desire out there for someone who is looking into getting plastic surgery yeah. cosmetic surgery what advice can you give them okay so the advice i give somebody who wants to go under knife for plastic surgery i'd ask them to ask themselves a couple of questions as in why why do they want to do it they don't want to do it for the right reasons is it going to benefit their career is it going to help their mental health are there other alternatives what else could they do potentially rather than going under the knife because you want to know what else you can do and then ask yourself long term is it going to be beneficial what are the risks if it goes wrong would you be happy with the risks knowing that you took that chance or would you think it wasn't actually worth this knowing the risk so i think those are the kind of questions you need to ask yourself speak to people not just yourself speak to people speak to your loved ones the people who have your best interests at heart and find out is this the best decision for you um dr mecca thank you so much that was Cheers, really great to to hear your thoughts and all of that appreciate that surgeries cosmetic tourism treatments and treatments there is so much to this topic and I'm glad we got into it and had those expert voices as well, like Dr. Emeka, to kind of guide me through what can be very, very confusing. And look, it's very easy for me to sit here and say this, but when it comes to your health, you really need to be making sure that you're safe and you're not just hunting for the best deal out there. Not every day is about getting a bargain. Hopefully this episode will make you think twice if you maybe get a DM from a supposed surgeon or a clinic, or maybe you see an advert telling you that you can book yourself onto a luxurious five-star holiday with a cheap BBL thrown in. I'm not sure that your DMs are the place for you to be sharing all of your personal medical info. But the good thing is, this is being called out. The Advertising Standards Authority, they're the ones that I mentioned earlier, who are in charge of making sure our adverts aren't misleading, have warned these surgeries have major risks and they're trying to tackle adverts they say are irresponsible. Now, let me know. What did you think of the episode? Did it make you think any differently about turkey surgery? Maybe you've been there before and had something done. I would love to know. 
We're on WhatsApp, so come and chat. The number is in the show description. And if you want to keep up to date with what's going on between each episode, make sure to follow the news movement on TikTok, Instagram for all of that extra good stuff. Thanks for listening and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'll be back with you next Wednesday. I'll catch you then. This is a podcast by the news movement produced by Persephonica. If you've been affected by anything in this episode, head to the show notes for useful resources.